welcome to Australian Financial Focus. My name is Barry Wilkinson, Director of Statewide Wealth Group, and today we're speaking to Kim O'Gorman about some marketing tips for small business, large business, or starting from scratch. Kim O'Gorman, thank you very much for taking the time out to come and speak to me. I'm really looking forward to this episode because it's something that really resonates with me and I love marketing. So thank you very much for being here. No problems. Thanks for having me. So Kim, given the current situation that we're in at the moment, COVID has restricted many people's business cash flow. What tips would you give those businesses in the current environment? I think number one is know your numbers. So um, I'm more a creative person than a numbers person, but every business you should know your numbers. And the most important numbers are obviously, you know, your margin, where the profit sits within your business. And when it comes to marketing, knowing how much it can cost to attract a a customer. So if you can know things like your customer lifetime value, which is if you attract a new customer into your business, on average, how long do they stay buying from you? How much do they spend? If you can know those sorts of numbers, then you can feel comfortable with how much you're spending to attract each new customer. How does someone do that? It's paying attention to your sales figures. It's paying attention to um, understanding repeat business. So depending on the industry, it's obviously very different. Um, an e-commerce business, for example, can get that information pretty easily because the systems provide it. Uh, sometimes it takes a bit of work and a bit of tracking. And I think um, what I've noticed, and I'm guilty of myself, a lot of businesses are ploughing through and doing new things all the time and not necessarily taking the time to create great reports or understand their business, what's been happening. And because of that, that knowledge provides such power to a business because you can really then tweak the different areas of your business to be able to know in a time like this when cash flow is tight, how much can I spend on marketing? And then what is the best way to spend that to get the best result? If you don't have those numbers, if you don't have that knowledge, you're just basically throwing darts and hoping they land somewhere. Which leads me into my next question. So what type of messages with a business that doesn't have the cash flow, what detriment can they do to themselves and their business with the wrong posts with the wrong communication going out there? Right now, I think it's so important to be paying attention to what's going on with your ideal customer. Um, And that means spending time where they're spending time. So social media is a really easy way to do that, whether it's in groups that they're hanging out, paying attention, because I'm noticing a lot of businesses and you're probably the same they're just ploughing on as normal, like they've had their plan in place. And so the information they're sharing or the emails they're sharing are really tone deaf. They're not actually acknowledging the situation a lot of people are in. Um, you mean more from an empathetic point of view? Yeah, and, and just, you know, if, if you've just lost your job or if you're, you know, at home not earning money with the kids around homeschooling and you don't want to be sold to, the hard sell isn't cutting through right now. And I'm not for a second saying don't market or don't sell, um, but it's just about changing the way you're doing it, changing the messaging and making sure that you're at least acknowledging what people are going through. But then on the other hand, it's a really fine Mm. balance because on the other hand, you see things like toothpaste companies going, we're here for you. And no, you're not, you're a toothpaste. So it's not about trying to um, capitalise and milk this situation for what it's worth because that's really people see through that. So how does someone come from an empathetic point of view and a kind of sales point of view? I think it's about being really human and showing and sharing the humans within your business. Right now, people are craving connection because we don't have as much connection as we've had. And 
right now people are interested in the human stories. So if you'd notice, especially on social media, people are really engaging with you know, family-owned businesses. They're trying to support local businesses. They're sort of looking after the little guys. And even if you're not a little guy, even if you're not, you're not a personal brand, but sharing about your team, sharing about your customers and showing that human side, I think it's a really great point of connection. We had Phil DeBella on here previously on a podcast who mentioned pen and paper. Someone who doesn't, someone who doesn't have a marketing degree, someone who doesn't have a lot of cash, but they've got the pen and paper, where would you suggest that they start? In brainstorming ideas? Mm. I think the first place is to make sure that you're visible but also valuable. So that it seems that people are going two ways at the moment. The first is – I love that, by the way, visible yeah, and valuable. So there's two aspects of that. It's not about disappearing right now. There are people in who are very conscious of not wanting to share – hard sales messages and not wanting to be overly salesy and so they're kind of disappearing from view or they're just either flat out busy and so aren't having time to be visible or are in a situation that they're struggling and and don't really have the mindset but I think if you can right now is getting in front of your target audience sharing about your business sharing about what you're going through as much as you're comfortable to um, it means that people build that relationship with you and that trust with you but that second part of that is to be valuable. So don't just go out and shout message after message after message and because that's also annoying and you just, it's, you know, he who shouts loudest is heard. It's not the case right now. People get sick of it and we'll just tune you out. Um, so it's making sure that what you're sharing either is informing or educating them or entertaining them, giving them a break from the harsh realities and entertaining them a bit or inspiring them in some way. And if you can hit those three, entertain, educate or inspire, you're adding value to the conversation rather than just shouting your own message. So surely a business would need to know its value, right? Absolutely. And more importantly, it needs to know its target audience because what resonates or is valuable or entertaining to one person might not be to another. And the one of the biggest mistakes people make is trying to be everything to everyone and then you're basically nothing to nobody. So you need to really understand who your ideal target is audiences and talk to them. So if you can picture a person in your mind and talk to that one person, you'll be consistent, but you'll also be relevant. So once we pass this current situation that we're in at the moment and things do somewhat um, come back to somewhat normality, the best valuable lesson here that what you're giving out to someone is no, be visible and be valuable. Being valuable, first, you need to establish your market. Your target market, correct? Yes. Now, if you don't know that, then you can be completely wasting money Absolutely. and going around in circles and you find no value moving forward to go, well, this is just not working. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's not to say, because I think the trap a lot of people get into is if you think you're picturing your ideal target market, that you then can't sell to anyone else. And that's not the case. And you'll still attract people from outside that ideal target market. But if you try and talk to everybody, your message is really vanilla and it gets lost in the noise. Whereas if you can target a particular kind of person and speak to them, and ideally you're getting to the point where they're saying, it's like you're in my head, it's like you're watching me, you know, they feel that seen and heard, then they're going to become raving fans and loyal customers. Um, and you'll still attract others as well, and you might then shift focus or you might have a couple of different ideal target markets, but it's not about just being the same, same as everybody else. Would you find out what other successful businesses are doing and and ask them what works for them. Yeah, absolutely. And and look outside your industry. I think the challenge is we can get really uh, myopic and look within our industry and try and 
model other businesses and then everyone ends up being the same. So look at really creative people in other industries, especially those that share your target market, but maybe not. And also think about how you like to be treated as a consumer. Um, So the businesses you interact with, Mm. where you're spending time. And I think the challenge some people have, especially with something like social media, is they might not use it themselves. And so then they don't know how to behave in that situation. Um, So my favourite thing is you lurk to learn. So get on Facebook, get on Instagram, wherever you think your target market is and spend some time being a consumer, not being a business, just understanding how things work. Putting the wrong post, giving the wrong marketing can make people cringe. Mm. So if someone does that, how detrimental can it be to that business to recover that trust from their market? Depending how... That makes sense? Yeah, where they've they've stepped wrong or what sort of message they're putting out there. Trust is so important. And, And just sort of, I think the thing to remember with marketing, it's humans speaking to humans. So whether it's a friendship, a relationship, it's about, you know, building the trust and then feeling comfortable with handing over their money to you with engaging with your business. And if that trust is eroded in some way, then it does take time to build it back. Uh, The difference with business is it's a lot more competitive. So it's pretty easy to swap. And the days of hardcore loyalty, um, Mm. they're not gone. I I see businesses and I've got clients who have an incredible community who will almost buy everything that they put out because they've spent the time building that community. And I think that's another thing that – you know, for businesses looking now as to how to almost crisis-proof themselves, and I don't think you can be completely confident in all situations, but the businesses that are thriving now are those that have community. They've spent time investing in their community, building that trust, sharing great information or providing value so that people just want to make sure that they survive um, and they're sort of looking for ways to support them. And that goes from large brands. I mean, it's much easier as a smaller brand. So if you want to sort of look at the main things that I would do right now, it is, as I say, be visible and, and valuable and look to build that community. So it's about providing value, showing up, whether it's on social media, whether it's through your email marketing, um, when the, in the days when we can get back face-to-face, gathering groups of people together. Uh, if you can build a community that has your back, that knows that you have their back, then that's a really great way to keep your business going. So a business that wants to gain that trust back that has done the wrong post or yeah. how do they do that? Uh, it's consistency and, and and depending, again, the situation, if they really stuffed up and, and you know, posted something that was quite offensive or quite tone deaf, it's actually showing up and apologising and being vulnerable and saying, look, we, you know, we stuffed up and, and working back to build the trust. It really does depend on what the situation is, but it's got to be genuine and, you know, right now you, an example in the last couple of weeks is the um, NRL players who – we're in the news for getting together against the regulations. The yeah. And how many times have we seen sports people stand up and give the apology that has been written by the organisation's PR person? And I'm not saying that that's what happened in that case, but you just look, the apology has to be genuine. It can't be, oh, we have to say sorry so that we can get more sales again. But at the same time, it is about consistency and it's about understanding and really listening so that you don't make that same mistake again. But knowing your knowing your clients and knowing your market, how important is that? It's the most important thing, really. I mean, I'd put know your target audience above know your numbers pretty close to each other, but it is. It's You need to know who you're talking to. So you and I do a fair bit of work together and you look after my social media because yeah. I'm not a big fan of getting on to social media. 
but I have to admit, since investing time and money for you to do it for me, the perception has completely changed where I'm starting to get more people reaching out. Prior to that, I didn't really want to be involved with social media and the stuff that I would do was inconsistent. It wasn't visible and it wasn't valuable for people um, where I just thought, well, people will call me because they surely they should know what I do. The biggest thing for me was engaging someone like you that knows what they're doing. The biggest issue I find for some people out there that are not willing to do that and I know I'm going on a bit, but is that they say I don't have the time, but the detrimental effect that that can do to a business is so much more um, detrimental than they think. Well, the opportunity, I mean, it might not be detrimental and it depends. Like, So something like social media is one cog in the broader marketing machine. It's got kind of the way I speak about it. And it needs to be part of a strategy. I think that's one mistake people make is not having a marketing strategy, not understanding exactly what they're trying to achieve. And so every new bright, shiny toy that comes along, they latch onto it because this will be the answer and they'll ignore something else. And and that scattered, unfocused approach, it's just a waste of your time and money. And then you come back and say, well, social media, for example, doesn't work It's because you didn't have any strategy behind it. But talking about the strategy, right, should someone within their calendar per month make a date for themselves to think about and removing themselves from their normal day-to-day work to think of ideas with marketing and how important is that? Yep, even one step back from that, what I recommend is spending some time at the very beginning or, you know, every, say, twice a year is actually creating the full marketing strategy. So one step back from the ideas of what you're posting is why. What business goals are you trying to achieve? How is marketing going to help you do that? And it's about really um, understanding how each of those tools plays a role and being able to decide that if your time and resources are limited, which for every single one of us they are, which are going to get us closer to that goal. And so you ditch the others until the, those priority tasks are actually working for you. And so it's about, and then also creating, if we're talking social media or content marketing, it's what's five or six kind of buckets or categories of content that are relevant to your target market that uh, give them value and that sort of keep things interesting. And so then if you do schedule once a month to brainstorm ideas, you go, well, looking at the six buckets, what do I need to fill in those buckets? And it's really easy. It's then not, you don't have to put an hour in your diary. It's probably 15 minutes of scribbling down those ideas and planning roughly when they'll fit in. I think planning helps um, and then you need to have an element of flexibility because there's probably a lot of businesses out there right now that sat down in January and February and planned out their content, which all went to crap when, yeah, yeah. you know, COVID hit. So it's it's that balance of you've got to have it there because I know, I mean, if you look at my own social media in the last six weeks, I've been pretty quiet because I've been flat out and I didn't have planned content for a situation like this. Um, so planning to some extent is great and then having some level of flexibility so that, you know, you can turn that plan off or at least pause it to deal with what's relevant right now and then t- flick it back on when things get back to normal or as normal as they will get. So with a business, say with a client, someone that's looking for a particular industry, what are the steps that one person takes to engage to a business? By that I'm talking, do they do a Google review? Do they do social media? Do they do Facebook? Do they do Instagram? Do they do Twitter? Uh, of course they speak to other people, but online, I mean, w- what gives people the confidence to engage into that particular business? It's absolutely uh 
or so, Google. Yeah. Well, it's it's if you look, we sort of call it a digital interview, and it depends on the industry. And some decisions are really easy. So if I'm buying a piece of clothing or a new wallet. You know, it's not going to take me days of research. Um, if I'm looking to engage with a professional service or, you know, something that's a bigger decision, it's a longer path. In marketing terms, we love our jargon and our marketing terms, but it's like the customer journey. So you do need to kind of step back and understand for your ideal customer, again, what is the path they take. And if I'm developing a strategy for a business, I look at the uh, phases of that marketing or that customer journey. So first is awareness. So them going from not knowing you at all to knowing about your business. And from there, it's like lead generation. So moving them into engaging with you in some way, whether it's calling you for a free consultation, whether it's, you know, signing up for a free download or signing up for your discount code for their first purchase if you're a retail business. Um, And then it's about nurturing that lead, that customer. And, and the word lead uh, feels icky because it's like it's a human. So it's actually nurturing that person, nurturing that relationship. So is it, you know, sending them regular information, making it easier for them to make the decision, um, giving them the information so that they feel smarter because a lot of people might not make a choice to contact your business because they feel too dumb. They don't know what questions they're asking. They don't really know where to start. So if you can give them some of that information and then when it comes time to actually buy from you or engage you, it's making that experience amazing because one of the biggest things people make the mistake of is constantly trying to get new people in the front door and they walk straight out the back door because Mm. the customer service has been at best average and at worst horrible. And it doesn't take a lot to stand out in customer service these days because the majority of businesses don't have great or, you know, don't stand out. Um, So so just I'll stop you there for two seconds. Someone that has a bad experience with the business? How how much um, more detrimental to the business is that as opposed to someone that has a good experience with the business? Depends on how you handle it. So if someone has a bad experience, and we all make mistakes and we all have situations that aren't ideal, um, if s- someone tells you about that, if you're lucky enough to hear about it, because mm. sometimes you're not, but it's how you treat that because a bad experience treated well with empathy and sort of going out of your way to really make a difference and and give them a better experience, a bad experience treated well can lead to a raving fan. So admitting that you've done something wrong. Absolutely, course, and going out of your way one. to rectify it and ideally going above and beyond. So, okay, so take a few steps back. Someone that sits down and um, in particular goes, I want to sell a product but I don't know how to market it and I don't have the money to go to someone like you I'm not saying that you're expensive, far from it, but you're great at what you do. Um, but they go, well, I just, if I go to someone that's going to market, it's going to cost me too much. There is. What there should is, you do? Oh, YouTube is your friend. <laughs> like, but if you don't have I- money, you need to have time. There is no such thing as free marketing. There's free tools. So there's social media you can use for free. Um, I mean, there's paid as well, but there's, there are a lot of tools, email marketing you can set up for free. But if you're using those but could you know, I consult you just for an hour and a half? Oh, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. So that's that's one thing that I would highly recommend, someone that sits with you for an hour and a half. Sorry to cut you off, but it's like if I just want to sit with you to just chew your ear for yeah. an hour and a half, that's one thing that you would highly recommend. And also jump on because it, people in my industry um, ideally 
are providing great content to their potential customers and sharing information and it's there and it's free. Um, but it does take your time. And that's what I was going to say. Like free tools are great, but to use those free tools, it is your time and business owners need to be aware that that is an investment still because if you're valuing your time by the hour, two hours researching about how to set up an Instagram page and optimise it is costing you X dollars um, depending on what you're valuing your time as. And that time is, you know, if you're starting up a business, if you're new and small, you probably have that time, which is fantastic. Um, the bigger you become, obviously. You should be focusing on what your job is and which, that's where you should either outsource or bring in a team member or get a team member mentored Um because if you're if you're valued at 150 bucks an hour and three years down the track you're spending two hours researching how to optimize your Instagram profile when you could be you know bringing in 300 bucks an hour you're mad for not outsourcing to somebody who can do it for less well we're a prime example actually so that if someone's out there listening um, and wants to have a look at the effects of us. We did it ourselves and you you know this for a few years. So get onto Statewide Wealth Group, uh, Instagram or Facebook and you'll see when Kim took over and uh, <laughs> you'll see the level of professionalism and can I just say the feedback that I got from that was completely different. Oh, now from that it was like, oh, my God, I've, it's kind of quirky, it's cool, it's not salesy because I detest that. Um, but it was just – it. And, yes, you know, it takes me a couple of hours a month to interact with you, but that is so well spent because of the reach that we have now and I've seen our numbers increase. So it's such a great, I find, investment that we have done, obviously engaging into yourself. But just the perception of the market out there for us at the same time, it's that we're not amateurish, um, but we're not salesy. We're not too big, but you can deal with us. And I think the thing, if if someone was sort of to say they had a set budget or really limited funds, I think it's important to spend your money on getting your foundations right. So if you were to invest time in getting someone to look after your social media, but your website is crap, mm then it's that in the front door, out the back door situation. You're wasting your money. So step back and look at, make sure you've got a great website. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to have incredible bells and whistles and it should. It doesn't have to cost you thousands of dollars. But if it clearly communicates what you do, if within a few seconds people can land there and know how they can work with you, then that's one thing. Making sure your Google business listing is uh, in shape and and gives the right information. One thing right now I find, and I get really frustrated if my time is wasted, um, and right now in the current situation I tend to get crankier quicker, hmm. and so I just went, it's an example. I I've just went experienced to, that. Yeah. <laughs> but I just went to get my, I uh, get an old iPhone fixed uh, for my daughter. And so I Googled and there's a place just near me that fixes iPhones. And so, you know, jumped on, looked at Google. Yep, they're open till five o'clock. I, I had rung them last week to find out roughly pricing and stuff. And so I was on the road yesterday and thought I'd just duck in quickly and drop it in. And so I got there at 10 to four and they were closed. And so then... And it's not a big deal, like it's not a big thing, but it's just a niggle. And if you're like, if it's one little niggle negative experience, it might be enough to stop someone going to your business. Um, for, you know, it might take two or three, but each of those niggles might not seem like a big deal. But if your your competitor's not niggling, they're going to get it. So I rang these guys this morning and said, "Oh, hey, are you open today?" They're like, "Oh, yeah, yep, yeah. we're open till one." And I, and I said, "Because I popped in yesterday and you were closed." And they said, oh, what time? And I said, oh, about 10 to 4. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we close at 1. 
I said, oh, is this that your Google says five? And they went, oh, yeah, yeah. No, but our website says one. And I just think, and it's, again, it's not the end of the world. If you look at what's going on right now, this is the tiniest of first, first world, world problems. problems. But if they had a competitor in the same area, I wouldn't have, first I wouldn't have rung them and they wouldn't have gotten my business, which is a good chunk of cash to fix a broken iPhone screen. So, so. I, I want to share one quick story. So similar, I was looking for a mechanic to look at to service the car and I can't go anywhere at the moment because obviously the restrictions and what's not but that that aside if we weren't in this environment so I googled mobile mechanic around my area and a couple of businesses came up now there was a company that had two google reviews but I didn't use them I didn't click into their page purely because they only had two google reviews now one of the companies that I reached out to, to to touch base I still haven't heard from and that was a company that had five google reviews since then, I've obviously reached out. So my point is this, is that it can be such a detriment to that business if it's inconsistent That's marketing. Just, and it goes back to those foundations. So things like having the, your times correct on your website like everywhere So because I might have looked on Facebook and it might have been different and and – so and that costs you nothing, and it costs it's a couple of minutes of your time. Making sure your website is in good shape, answering customer queries. So it's that get your customer service part sorted first, because again, you could spend ten grand on you know Facebook advertising and drive people, but if you're not answering the queries that come to your phone, it is absolute waste of your time and money. Let's go back a few steps. Knowing your target market. Let's break it down. Would that be the first place that you would start in a business, knowing your market? Yes? Yes. You could have the choice of a lot of different target markets. So you look in your marketplace in your industry and sort of say, is there a gap? Is there a segment of this market that's not being looked after? So you look at a specific area and target them, talk to them. And you could have more than one. It's not like you're restricted to only one, but with every new target market, you need to understand who they are, what they love, what their biggest problems or challenges are, what their biggest frustrations are, where they spend their time, how they spend their money. It's like you need to know them um, down to a person and that you're talking to that one person. Okay. Once you've established you knowing your market, would you then work on some type of business plan? Would you then start working on if you've got the funds to talk to someone like yourself if you don't then do you then go looking online for some tips and tricks but that's like pandora's box yeah, you yeah. can keep going forever yeah where do you stop so once you've established a market you establish a budget once you finish with the budget and you don't have a budget you then go online to have a look to see if there's any tips once you've done that if you get to a certain level that you know that you're getting busy at what level do you go i need help i.e you I think it, it goes back to the strategy side. So, yeah, you're right. You know your market. Secondly, I would say know your business goals. So for different industries, it's different things. Is it you're wanting to get um, – and, it, again, it comes down to new people to your website that three or four of them might come for a free consultation, like in your case, schedule a 15-minute call or you might you know download a free piece of information. And from those three or four – one of them might become a customer. Whatever your numbers are, it will really vary. But from there, you you know which levers you need to pull and push to make a difference to your business. And then from there, knowing those numbers, I'd look at that those five phases. So setting up a strategy so that five phases are awareness, so getting people to know about your business and what you do, 
lead generation, so getting them to interact in some way with you, whether it's, you know, join your Facebook group, sign up for your email list, um, sign up to get their first, you know, $10 off their first purchase, schedule their first call. But also someone that you've dealt with to give you you know, the, the referral exactly. on, online to really give you that, give, be exactly. that advocate is and, huge. And I Asking pop that for in, the, in the sort of a fifth bucket, yep. which then ties back to awareness. Um, so go lead awareness, lead generation, then lead nurturing where someone might take, depending on your industry, it might be a five-minute decision. It could be a six-month decision, something like a pool builder. It could be a three-year decision. In the meantime, are you keeping in touch with them, adding value to them so that when it comes time to buy that they just don't think of anyone else. Um, so that's lead nurturing. Then it's the customer experience in the actual transaction. How are you looking after them? And are you creating an experience that they will talk about to their friends and family? And then the fifth one is repeat and referral. And that's the point where hopefully your customer service has been such that they will happily just go and talk about you anyway. And if necessary, you ask them to do that. One thing we haven't spoken about is, is sales is done on um, emotions, right? Absolutely. Everything's done on emotions. Yep. Once I know my market, I intuitively need to talk about the emotions attached to the product that I'm trying to sell. Yeah. Knowing that will then come, number one, from more of an empathetic point of view, correct? Yes. Number two, you would then be able to speak to people in a little bit more of a layman's conversation because you know the product. Yeah. So my question is is that if you're going to get into business and you want to talk to someone about marketing, doing something you love would be a big thing, correct? Absolutely. Or something that you enjoy. Yeah. Because that will then flourish through with what If you're passionate you're about what through. you're doing and if you're keen to share the information, then you'll be far more likely to jump on a video and share it with your audience or it won't be such a hard task to sit down and create the content or, you know, create the emails or whatever tools you're using to spread the word. Um, so I think you do need to definitely believe in what you're doing. Um, otherwise, it it's pretty hard to come across as genuine uh, and you need to have an interest in it and a willingness to share it with your audience. Yeah. So um, someone that's starting off, and I keep coming back to someone that's starting off that just wants to sit down with you for an hour, roughly what would that cost for someone to do that? So I have a pick my brain session that's about mm -hmm. an hour, which is $250, mm -hmm. and that involves um, I send out a bit of a sort of questionnaire survey so that we don't spend three quarters of the hour learning about their business. I learn about it beforehand. So we sit down and they can come with questions or a specific issue and then give them a bit of a report afterwards. Um, Someone yeah. that's established. What prompted me to talk to you was because, number one, we didn't have the time. Number two, we weren't really good at it. <laughs> and number three, I really knew the message that we wanted to get across was be genuine and non-salesy. Yeah. At what level would you then tell the business a business that's been running for a while, that stop, you need to talk to me? Um, it depends on how their strategy is going. And I think the thing is as well, it's just being smart about your money and this might sound like I'm talking myself out of business, but um, I am a dinosaur in the in the era and in the industry of social media because um, there's a lot of very young uh, marketers who are great at actually creating content and that sort of thing. The value I bring or someone like me brings is that I've been in, in marketing and communications for many years and it's more the strategic side. So even if you don't have a lot of money, what I recommend doing is speaking to someone about helping you with the strategy. So about looking at you know what tools suit you best, 
the kinds of content you create, examples of those contents, maybe setting up templates, setting up the categories. And then ideally, in the best case scenario, I love to see a member of your own team doing it because they're on the ground, they're seeing the opportunities constantly, and it's a lot more uh, genuine if it's from within the organisation. That's not possible for everyone, but then you can get a VA, you can get a a more junior marketer, you can get someone else to actually carry out that strategy. Okay. Um, so it is about getting the balance. One one person might not suit your every marketing need. Um, so I see a lot of value in investing in strategy and then looking at who's the best person to actually carry it out. Does Facebook work? Yes, depending on what your objective is. Does Instagram work? Yes, depending on what your objective is and who your target audience is. How long should you spend on marketing? As a business, regardless whether you're one man band to hundreds per month, depends on your goals and depends on your budget. So, if you've got a low budget, you'll be spending more time, and it probably comes down to a few hours a week. Very generalised, it depends on your industry and your and your product. Does emails work? Yes, Mailchimp. Uh, emails work as a conversion tool. So, if going through to those different phases again. Emails are one of the best tools to actually convert people to a sale. The call to action to buy something. More so than social media. Social, Yeah. Social media is great for building brand awareness. It's great for nurturing those leads and Mm -hmm. building the relationship. And depending on your industry, it can be great for conversion. But if you look at something like Instagram, for most businesses, if you've got fewer than 10,000 followers, the only link from Instagram is in your bio. So for you to say, click here to buy this thing, doesn't work for most businesses. So Amazing for the awareness and lead nurturing aspects of the business. But if you're saying click here to buy this thing, email wins. Blogs, how important are they? Again, depending on your industry. I'm going to keep qualifying with that. But blogs can work. Well, content rather than just blogs, content of some kind works really well for a couple of reasons. One, and it's what is often referred to as cornerstone content. So you'll see businesses create like one major piece of content maybe one a month, one a fortnight, one a week. How often should you do blogs? Uh, depends. Depends. And it's, not again, not blogs. So you think this podcast is a piece of cornerstone content. So if you're releasing this once a fortnight and from this main piece that's almost like a hub in a bicycle wheel, it will then feed your Instagram profile, your Facebook profile. It will then become the basis that you drive a lot of your other marketing activity around. And so that cornerstone content provides a lot of great value. One is it positions you as an authority because you're sharing your knowledge, you're sharing your expertise, you're demonstrating that you're good at what you do. It builds trust because you're sharing that knowledge freely and um, easily with your potential customers. From an SEO perspective, if you take a piece of cornerstone content, so a blog is great in that it's written. What's an SEO? Search engine optimization. sorry. I'm a marketing jargon (laughs) user. Um, So if you want to rank your website higher on Google, and, you know, you can say search engines, but Google is the dominant search engine, obviously, Um, you need sort of consistent, regular, relevant content on your website. So something like a blog works well because it's written and Google's systems read text well. But if you've got a podcast, for example, um, I would have the, you know, the cornerstone content, it goes out via Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or however, but if you've got somewhere to drive them back to, so like a website, and then if you either provide transcripts or summaries or some kind of show notes that captures the essence of what you're talking about. Because remember, Google's bots can't hear the podcast. Well, they probably can more and more with um, artificial intelligence, but 
they're able to assess text and rank that text higher than a video or an audio piece of content. Um, but that's keeping Google happy. On the other hand, you need your customers to be actually consuming the content and everyone learns differently. So some people love to read. I read because I can scan. Yep. Um, I love podcasts because I can do more than one thing at once. Video, Being I don't a female, watch as much. that's probably right. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> but video, I don't. I I'm the queen of that video. Looks amazing. I'll save it to watch later. And right now, in I'm my a video Facebook, person. Yeah, I love videos. Whereas if you've got my attention on social media, you'll have something there for at least thirty seconds, and then bang, I'm on something. I'm not really your reader. Yeah, you know me. Yeah, and I'm like more of a, a more of a visual person. But um, so Instagram, Facebook, Mailchimp, what else is there? Twitter. There's so much out there. Do you buy on social media from things you see, yes or no? Constantly. You do? Yeah. Like? Um, more uh, um, like shopping, so clothing, jewellery. Um, right now because we're not going out as much, so I just had my daughter's birthday and so we bought everything online. But, but I'm very comfortable in an online environment So, and I, don't, I hate shopping centres, so I'm more likely to buy online. Like I just find it convenient. Age demographic? Would you go from – so finance is boring, let's be honest. can be boring for some people because it's like, oh, my God, I don't want to know. I don't know too much about it. Making it simple for people that are scared. And, and just the thing is, and I've had this conversation and rant with so many customers lately of, of my clients, is you don't know how much you know and you don't know how much your potential customers do know. Don't know. Right. So you, you'll assume, so talking about something really basic, like you might be talking about interest rates or you might be talking about insurances or superannuation, which when you're in the industry all the time, you think it's basic and everyone knows that. So why would I talk about that? Because everyone knows that. Most people don't. Like that just, and I mean, yeah, sure. I know what superannuation is. I've got my insurances. I feel like, you know, insurances are costing me an absolute fortune. I don't know what I should be paying or not. Um, you know, when it comes to interest rates, you know, yes, we know they're low at the moment. What does that actually mean? And whether it's your industry um, working with uh, um, some real estate agents at the moment and the same thing, it's kind of like, well, you know, what do you need to do to get the top dollar for your house? And they start going to this high level thing. It's like, no, keep your house clean, fix things and declutter. Like <laughs> go basic because you, you assume that people know the basics, but they don't. Well, and it's those basics that they're typing into Google because they're too embarrassed to ask. That's right. Keeping it simple, stupid. Yeah. So consistency, how important is it? Incredibly important. It's most important. Consistency over frequency every time. If you can only post two times a week, but you t post two times every single week, it's better than posting 10 times this week and not for another month. Patience? It is a long game. It can, And there can be quick wins. Uh, but it is now more than ever. There was a time when Facebook or Instagram, you could build your following super quick and get amazing results, but that's now it's a busier and more competitive environment, and so it is a longer game. So patience is the key. Yeah. Three tips you would give a business not to do. Don't make it all about you. So the thing is if, you're, if all you talk about is what you're selling, how you're selling, come and buy from me, it's like if you walked into a cocktail party, it's that person who spends the entire time talking about themselves and doesn't care about anyone else. Um, people get turned off really quickly. And if there's someone else in your market who is providing great value, demonstrates that they really understand their customer, 
they will attract the customer before you. So don't make it all about you and just keep trying to shout because it's too noisy. So um, don't talk about yourself. Yeah. Next two. Don't ignore your current customers. So it is so much cheaper and easier to look after someone who already trusts and knows you than it is to attract someone new. So really look after your current customers. Three. Uh, don't keep people guessing. So communicate clearly all the time. So it's that example of the businesses who aren't updating their times on Google or the people who aren't saying that things have changed or who have a price list, you know, in one place and then you go to buy and it's more expensive and and we haven't updated it. What would you advise people just to take a photo just for the sake of taking a photo and putting it on Instagram or Facebook? No, I think it's better. So the visibility is important and I think any of us can get a little bit hamstrung and think, oh, I don't have anything to take a photo of right now and, you know, now more than ever um, because we're not out and about so much. But I think that's where it goes back to really the value is in stepping back and creating a strategy. And I guess to some businesses that sounds like a massive thing which will take days and they need to book a retreat somewhere and I don't mean that at all. Spend a couple of hours stepping back and sort of saying exactly what we're trying to achieve, what are the key messages we're trying to get across and what's five or six categories of content. So it might be, say, for example, for... Um, a finance business. It could be financial tips and tricks, certainly providing that sort of value. It could be about your team because if I'm sharing all of my financial data with people, I want to know who they are and what they're about. And you, of course, set boundaries around that. So you don't need to. I mean, there's people, there's a real estate agent that I follow and find fascinating who shares so much information about their family and their kids and um, their boundaries are quite wide into how much they're prepared to share about themselves. And it works for them. Uh, one quick story. 2004, I became a mortgage broker, as you know, and I rang a guy who was a very successful mortgage broker and I asked him if I could spend about a week in his pocket. And spending that week was great with him, but he said one thing that was quite defining to me was, Barry, just pick three things in mm-hmm. marketing that you want to do and keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. And, and they, if you can get them... Rolling along, if you really nail them, they're going well. Well, then you can add something else in. Yeah, yeah. But if you do everything in a sort of half-assed way, it's not going to be as effective as if you do one or two things in a great way. But slowing down, why not take one day out of your life of the 365 days to meet someone with Kim, like Kim over a coffee to just ask you an hour and a half questions on your business that's going to make you money? Yeah. I just don't quite understand why we all think we don't engage to professionals. I just don't quite understand that. Okay, I get that the you know we can't afford it, but yet for two hundred and fifty dollars, small price to pay in my opinion. Yeah. How can people find out about you, Kim? If you can go to my website, which is kimogorman.com.au, uh, and there's links there to everything else. Otherwise, I'm Kim O'Gorman across social media platforms. Thank you, and I can't. Highly recommend enough, Kim. She is wonderful. Straight to the point. Uh, <laughs> brutal. Ranty, <laughs> uh, but I do love that because um, you do know where you stand and there's no fluffiness with where, uh, where you shouldn't be. Thank you very much, Kim. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much for listening. I really appreciate it. You can contact me on barry.wilkinson at swggroup.com.au. Or if you Google Statewide Wealth Group, Barry Wilkinson, that will come up and it will show you the links on how to get to me. It's quite easy. 
jump onto our website if you like in our blog section on statewide wealth group you'll find some wonderful blogs that we've recently put up some tips and tricks and some information from my business partner in relation to the financial planning sector for us any questions there's an area in within our website that you can ask us any questions that you like and uh, feel free to subscribe to this podcast if you can rate it if you could please that would be really appreciative and uh, feel free to send it amongst any of your friends and family thanks very much <music>